0: Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith.
1: How many of you have read the Bible book of Titus from first chapter to end of the book? Uh Uh-huh, I didn't see many. I see about 20 hands on line. I see your hands raised. And uh, some adult is going to ask their kid, can he really see me online? <laughs> it's a Bible book of only three chapters. And if you haven't read it, take opportunity to do it either this evening or this weekend. And um, it is basically one thing. It is how to govern the church how to govern the church. How to set up the operational structure of the church. That's what the book of Titus is all about. I actually Googled how to govern the church and Google said um, how to govern a church from a congregational point of view. I said, no, that's not what I'm asking how to govern the church, says you can govern it in a Episcopal way, a Presbyterian way, an autocratic way. No, that's not what I'm asking. I wanna know how to govern the church. And it told me how to start a church and how to start a church without money. I almost clicked that one, that was interesting. <laughs> but even Google has to consult Titus in order to know how to govern the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and this weekend I want to share four foundational principles that the Apostle Paul gives to Titus and other churches of how you govern the local church of Jesus Christ the key verse is Titus chapter 1 verse 5 Paul writes to Titus, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. That's what I've called you to do. Titus focuses on foundational, non-negotiable principles rather than every single negotiable principle. He focuses on substance and not necessarily styles and preferences. As someone has well said, in matters of style and taste, swim with the current. But in matters of principle, you stand like a rock. And that's what Titus gives us, matters of principles, because styles change. Substance, however, remains the same. And so these four principles are one of substance and not just style. I'm a baseball fan and I've studied baseball for a long time. I love the game, played the game. Uh, Did you know that in baseball starting 176 years ago was a very different game than it is today? When those people put the rules and regulations in play, it's evolved very differently than it was 176 years ago. For example, the pitcher would ask the batter, where do you want the ball and then deliver it? It's a much different game today, isn't it? The pitcher's job is to strike out or put out the batter. But it was called the gentleman's game because the pitcher wanted to give the hit of the ball exactly where he wanted it. Also, a foul ball did not exist. If you hit the ball, you ran. I mean, you ran in there if you hit it behind you, if you hit it out of bounds, you ran. So there was no such thing as a foul ball. And in fact, you didn't even have to run the first base. If you hit the ball towards first base and say that's gonna be a quick out, you could run the third base. And a matter of fact, it wasn't even a base that you just step on. It was a base, but it had a pole on it, so you had to catch the pole. But you didn't even have to run to that base. You could run any base that you thought you could be safe at. Isn't that amazing? But in order to score, you had to touch the bases in order. And as it relates to fielding, you could not jump up and catch the ball. You could not dive for a ground ball. You could not slide to beat the tag because that was unsportsmanlike and you were considered a showboat. If you did that then you would have to apologize to the opposing dugout and then turn to the crowd and apologize for being a showboat. Isn't that amazing? That's not the game today, is it? It has radically changed over 176 years. However, for nearly 2,000 years, the sound, successful, sustaining, infrastructure of the church of Jesus Christ has not changed this church that Jesus created had never ever existed before it has some similarities to Judaism it has some similarities to some of the mystery ancient religion assemblies but it had never as an entity set up by Jesus Christ ever existed before. So what were the rules? What were the regulations? How was it to be set up foundationally to last, sustain itself over time? The city of Crete, which was in Greece, still is in Greece. The largest island in Greece, it's the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean area. This city of of uh, Crete was popular in the Greco-Roman day. The Apostle Paul went there and set up the church and he had a young man with him named Titus and he left Titus behind and said, I want you to set in order the things that remain. And I love the picture that Roger Williams, he's a 17th century theologian, paints for the church. And he looks at it this way. The world is a wilderness, but the church is a garden. The garden of the church in the wilderness of the world. The garden of the church in the wilderness of the world. You may be able to see uh, a photo of the garden of the church in the wilderness of the world. The church is an oasis in the desert. It's God's way of giving hope to the wilderness or the wickedness and the rebellion of the world and creating the garden of the church in the wilderness of the world. And so here we have in Crete, this Greco-Roman city, the people in Crete, Cretans were living comfortably in a polytheistic, in a polygamous, in a sexually promiscuous world, a materialistic culture. Did that sound familiar? And the church of God in Crete was to be an oasis of hope planted right in the middle of a selfish and callous and rebellious society that was ignoring divine truth. Titus set up these oasis walls of the church. And let me give these to you, and then we'll come to the Lord's table. Oasis wall number one teach Cretans the truth of the gospel. They don't know the good news of the gospel. Some have heard and some have believed, and that forms the core of this church plant. But keep teaching them the great news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth. You'll find this word truth all throughout the book of Titus. Teach them. That Jesus Christ knows more about living than any man that's ever lived. And since at birth he has originated life, and since at death he will terminate life, and since in judgment he will evaluate life, and with every breath we take he perpetuates life, it only makes sense that he ought to operate our lives. Teach them that it's more than just an intellectual ascent, but that it is a radical redefinition of priorities, as the team just finished singing. Teach them that. He really wants to do two things. He wants to give his life to you and live joyously and courageously through you. They don't know these things. Teach them that initially salvation begins, but he wants to mature you in the faith. It's good news, not just for conversion, but it's good news for daily life. Teach them the gospel, the truth, because we need it. What is a church today? I like to define a church today as a congregation where Jesus Christ is exalted, the word of God is explained, and spiritual gifts are being expressed. A lot of people don't know that. Teach the truth. Here is what I love that Paul wrote. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, rescued us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit uh, upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in, the, in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Titus, this is a non-negotiable oasis wall. Teach the truth of the gospel. It never changes. Number two, here's oasis wall number two. Titus, train high character leaders to live graceful and Christ-centered lives in a fallen world. I want you to train high-character leaders so that the church will exist beyond one person. The church will exist generation after generation if you set in motion training for high-character leaders. Here's what he writes in Titus 1-6. An elder must live a blameless life, he must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. It's not a purpose life, it's a life without scandal is what the Greek word means. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, or violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. You train high character leaders. He must have a strong belief in the in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. Not only do you teach elders, you teach every category. Titus 2, you teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and what? Patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands if they are married and their children if God blesses them with children. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Also, train high character leaders so that the church will exist generation after generation after generation. It's more than just about one person, it is a plurality of leaders. Titus, train them because they have learned the Greco Roman way, they have learned the secular way. They need to relearn after they unlearn. So, you have to train them. Here's Oasis wall number three. Tear down false philosophies. Are you with me? I want you to tear down false philosophies or lies or things that people have believed. This is what they were taught. And you have to not only teach the truth on the positive side, you have to tear down false philosophies on the other side. Here's what he writes to Titus. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation or a works-based salvation. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth for their false teaching. And they do it only for money. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said this about them. The people of Crete, of which he was one, are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. This is true, so reprimand them sternly, to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. There are people who will oppose what you believe. You have to teach the truth and tear down these philosophies. You do it with grace, but you do it with truth. Tear down these falsities. This word truth and teaching occurs over and over in Titus. And so what are some of these things that you need to tear down? Did you know that the truest thing about me is what God says and not how I feel? The truest thing about me is what God says and not what others think. The truest thing about me is what God says and not what others feel. So you must reprimand them, correct them. You do it with grace, but you do it with truth. The the, the Cretans were involved, like many of us, with different false philosophies. Hedonism, that is pursuing unbridled pleasure no matter who else it hurts. Gluttony, just having too much and wasting. Materialism, pursuing those things of the world in a way that leaves God out of our thinking. Individualism, believing that I am the answer, and as long as it is my truth, then it is fine, even if it's not your truth. Nationalism, racism, classism, sexual promiscuity among married and non-married people. All of these philosophies, even today in the church, we are battling the false philosophy of things like binary language or gender dysphoria, where there is a philosophy that the creator did not really know what he was doing with male and female distinctions. Tear down these religious, these monetary, these cultural and relational philosophies. Please, Titus we have to know that can I give you a last one y'all got quiet on me on that can I give you another one here's the last Oasis wall Tear, uh, take Christ to the streets through good works you take Jesus Christ to the streets through good works Titus I want you to make sure to take Christ to the streets with good works. People may differ with your doctrine, but they can't debate with your deeds. The totality of the gospel is preaching, teaching, and healing. And Jesus led with healing the hurts of a fallen humanity. And when he was healing people, it created an atmosphere to be heard, for the preaching and teaching to be heard. Titus, that's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure to teach the church to take Jesus Christ to the streets. Did you know Jesus did not spend his time in the temple? He did not spend his time cloistered away in Jerusalem. In fact, about 130 contacts Jesus had in the New Testament throughout the Gospels, and 90% of them were outdoors in the streets because he led with healing, People differed with his doctrine, but they could not debate his deeds. And he set up credibility, so they wanted to hear his preaching and his teaching. Titus, while we look forward with hope, To that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed, he gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. That's why we do things like go and do and service all throughout the year. And that's why I'm asking you to help replenish our restoration hope disaster relief fund. I told you on last week, for example, that on next week, if the Lord lets us live, I'd like for you to bring a special offering so that we can increase our fund during this disaster time. We're in a season of hurricanes, tornadoes, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know when they will appear, but we want to be prepared to be able to do good deeds so that we can create an atmosphere for people to hear the preaching and teaching of the gospel. That being said, watch this. Hope Church has a long history of responding to those who are displaced by floods and fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, and other natural disasters.
0: We have typically joined the first wave or emergency response to natural disasters providing food, clothing, and shelter for the initial 30 days. Three years ago, our pastors in session approved a different approach. Now we only allocate 10 to 20% for the first wave emergency use and 80 to 90% for the second wave. Most people understand the first wave. Fewer people show up for the second wave.
2: The second wave is the hard work of returning homeowners back into their homes. Studies show a huge letdown of support after the initial 30 to 40 days. The media quickly moves to another breaking story so the displaced are out of sight and
1: out of mind, just about the time people need to return home.
2: Our mission is to serve the under-resourced and underinsured families, many who are elderly, and return them back into a structurally sound home. This may include roofing, insulating, plumbing, and some sheetrock work to begin the restoration process. A few examples of how we've helped in the past. We returned a grandmother in her 70s raising three of her grandchildren back into their home. A blind single lady that had only lived in one house her entire life. And the only chance of being able to live independently was to return her to the only home that she was familiar with. A church in Beaumont, Texas was closed for 16 months after six local contractors would not help them. By the grace of God, we connected with the local pastor and returned them to weekly worship five weeks later. The second wave approach requires four types of contributions – financial, professional labor, skilled do-it-yourselfers, and general volunteers. Restoration Hope Disaster Relief partners with local churches to help homeowners who have few or no monetary resources to receive quality restoration. We need from the congregation a list of professional subcontractors, weekend warriors or do-it-yourselfers, as well as volunteers for short-term missions. This is the best way to assist homeowners unable to pay the market-driven premium prices that local contractors charge during natural disasters.
1: The second wave also empowers churches in that local area to be seen as compassion stations and validate their reputations as a gospel outreach post. Hope's second wave philosophy has also gained the approval of the EPC denomination. They
2: partner with us financially to assist the least able to return to their homes.
0: Galatians 6.10 explains who we primarily and secondarily target. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers.
1: So thank you in advance for contributing financially as a professional subcontractor or a skilled weekend warrior, as Tony likes to say, or a general volunteer.
0: Learn more about Restoration Hope Disaster Relief at HopeChurchMemphis.com slash relief.
1: Hey, if you want to be involved in that good deed, you can actually sign up this weekend and next weekend if you're a professional subcontractor a sort of do-it-yourself a weekend warrior, or if you're a general volunteer. Just give us your name. When these things happen, we will contact you and of course you can all give uh, in advance uh, beginning today or next weekend uh, to help us. Titus, this is how you teach people how to govern the church so that it stands the test of time generation after generation after generation. So as we prepare now to come to the Lord's table. Uh, We have asked uh, Naya, where is she? Come on, Naya is gonna lead us in our Apostles' Creed before Pastor Dave comes. Uh, I want you to stand for this. And she's gonna lead us in this recitation. And um, while she's reading, you can read along with her. Thank you.
2: Please read aloud with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
1: Thank you, Nadia. Amen. Please be seated. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for this oasis in the middle of a desert. Thank you for being the garden of the church in the wilderness of the world and may we continue these non-negotiable principles that you taught us in the book of Titus to teach Cretans the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and to train high-character leaders to live a graceful and Christ-centered life in the midst of a fallen world. We ask that you would help us uh, to take the gospel, take Jesus Christ to the streets through our good deeds and to tear down false philosophies. As we prepare to come to the table and experience moments of silence, we ask that you would deal deeply with us, meet someone in their need, in their souls, as they are contemplating and observing the Lord's supper. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
2: Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.